Hello, welcome to episode 183 of Riot Act. This is the Alternative Music Podcast. Hope you're well. Hope you're doing all right. My name's Stephen Hill. I am your host alongside Renfrey Deadman, who's here with me as well. Hello, Renfrey. Hello. How are you doing? Hello, mate. Uh, I'm okay. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Um, I'm all right, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's a funny old time to be alive, I think. <laughs> We've woken up in the midst of what looks like... Um, some pretty serious uh we're gonna like war i guess and um that's a bit scary mm. but we usually use this show as a way to kind of ignore the events of the real world and just sort of have fun with music but it's not been a particularly nice week mm. in the music world as we will be discussing on the show a little bit later on um we had some sort of plans to do our usual kind of flippant show here on a Friday just to pick something and have a little chat about something that we found interesting within the world of music and I'm sure we will get back to that so I won't spoil what it was that we were going to be doing but um, amongst other things that have happened this week Mark Lanigan passed away so the majority of this show later on we're going to be talking about Mark Lanigan again it won't be the first time that we've spoken about Mark Lanigan on the show certainly won't be the last time I'd imagine either, but that will make up the kind of the main crux of our show this week. Um, if you want to hear us being slightly more uh, delighted with something, we've just put a review up for an album that comes out today. If you're listening to this podcast on the day that it comes out by Gang of Youths, Angel in Real Time is the record. We just put a full Riot Act Reviews podcast specifically on that record up. If you've already heard it, I'm not going to go over the specifics again. But I would say, you know, if you're waking up today and you're thinking, what's a new album that I should listen to? That's very much the album that you should be listening to today. I think that's what I think. And I'm pretty sure Renfrey agrees with me as well. I'm nodding my head, which I realise isn't good for an audio medium. But yes, I agree entirely. Yes, absolutely. Um, It's quite something that record but anyway go and listen to our review of that record if you'd like to hear the reasons why we feel that way um also we should say like we usually do at the start of the show if you'd like to sign up for some exclusive pod uh, posit- positive podcast content i mean it is usually fairly positive although i'm about to say we've got a rioters review coming up on a solo album by bruce dickinson coming out <laughs> on saturday so not quite sure that the word positive needed to be in there to be perfectly honest but if you sign up for any amount of money over on patreon.com forward slash right act podcast you can suggest a record for renfrey or i Oh, and I, usually not all right. <laughs> I think no, maybe I'd been delight, delighted to have dipped out of the Bruce Dickinson mm-hmm. one, but I'm not going to do that. Um, and yeah, you can suggest an album and eventually we will get to your suggestion. Bruce Dickinson's Chemical Wedding will be getting put up at the weekend. Our thoughts on that record. So if you've got an album that you're desperately, desperately, desperately interested in our opinion of, go over to that Patreon page and sign up for any amount. And you can suggest some already over there we have albums that we've covered on the likes of dream theater death and above 1979 velvet revolver killing joke block party devin townsend quicksand miles davis stone roses bauhaus david bowie mary beats jane genghis tron dinosaur jr craftwork altars of plagues 
death grips white stripes bloodbath we got a load of them over there and also if you'd like to up your pledge to five pound a month then you can sign up for our classic album series over on our patreon page which basically gets you access to one of my favorite albums of all time and one of Renfrey's favorite albums of all time every month and a podcast detailing that album in great detail we just put up a couple of days ago one over on our patreon page it was my pick uh, i picked the debut album by the streets original pirate material and loved doing it to be honest <clears throat> just absolutely loved going back to that album and renfrey you like that album a hell of a lot more than i maybe feared you might do mm, I, I i admire it so much more than i thought i would and and covering original pirate material really made me have to sit down and reassess my thoughts on the streets and Mike Skinner and things that I'd said in the past and uh, reevaluate those things and maybe dismiss them as silly nonsense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think because of what you had heard, that wasn't maybe the maybe the, the, the idea that it was silly nonsense is, sure. you know, probably not really fair because, I mean, <clears throat> you know... Um, I gave you an album which is not the best Streets album when you first uh, covered when we first covered the Streets in this podcast, and um, you know, I think comparing that with original pirate material, there is there is some significant gap in quality between that first album and I'd say everything else that the Streets ever did, even the Grand Don't Come for Free, because we do did consider uh, a Grand Don't Come for Free as a, a classic album and maybe doing this as a sort of double, but for me, I think original pirate material is so far ahead of anything else that Mike Skinner has ever done that it felt like it would be slightly too much of a dip in quality I, I think that record is just fucking brilliant and I think they're a band who are incredibly um, uh, misunderstood in a lot of ways yeah. as we go into on the podcast so yes if you would like to hear that and in a couple of weeks time origin of symmetry by muse renfrey's next pick like i say go over to patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast and you can listen to all of our classic album podcasts that are up there already from the likes of the slipknot morbid angel rem neil young smashing pumpkins type of negative pj harvey Meshuggah, every time i die pearl jam the beatles weezer Guns and Roses. There's a load of stuff up there for you to go and listen to now already. Um, not only Gang of Youths have an album out this week. There are a couple of other things which are probably, um, probably be worth us mentioning as well. One of them is an EP by Bambara, Love on My Mind, which is a band who I was quite excited to listen to this because we covered their album Stray in 2020. That's right. And we were both very, very keen on that. It was that kind of driving cowboy. Nick Cave is kind of wildest, really kind of evocative, I guess, sort of Americanery post punk thing. Um, and we liked it a lot. Both of us really, really like that record. So this sort of comes on the heels of that. It's not a full album, although, you know, it's. Um, it's six tracks and um it's 22 you know, minutes it's, it's decent length for a it, for a, you know a kind of i guess a stopgap ep yeah it fits a lot in it fits a lot into mm. that time it does take you on quite quite the journey um mm. stray was uh, on my albums of the year list my 2020 albums of the year list I, I i loved that record i kind of feel like if a band spent their career effectively rewriting nick cave's red right hand over and over again yeah. that band would be yeah, Bambara yeah. and to be clear 
I am not saying that as a criticism. Um, I, I, I loved that last record. And um, I think this is... I think stopgap is the right word for it, but the it's a high quality stopgap. I I think for a lot of it, it is more of the same, more of um, the the same sort of material that we got on Stray, um, but it feels like its own thing. Um, I think there are some really awesome songs as the EP goes along, which maybe might give an indication as to where things are going um for them for album number five which i'm hoping guessing will be released next year but point and shoot is such a slinky tune i really love that song and i love the unexpected female vocals that come on mm. little ears that last song on the ep and the way it was <clears throat> oh yeah <laughs> it's corrected it's up to ears wars to ears yeah. uh my peaceful pc um <laughs> And that song builds to something quite beautiful and ultimately quite melancholy as well. It's a really melancholy but beautiful climax. Um, I really, li- I really like this. I, I don't really like using phrases like "more of the same" and things like that because that that indicates a little glass half empty sort of look at it. But I, I think this is great. I'm totally happy to have this. It's, it's a nice unexpected bonus until the fifth album comes along. And I think in terms of this post-punk revival thing, I wouldn't go so far as to say Bambara are the best, but I think they are my favourite of this oh, they bunch. Really, yeah. I think so. I just lo- I love the poeticism of um, mm. their lyrics. Uh, I think that gives them a really strong uh, identity, especially when you compare a lot of the post-punk revival approach lyrics in a far more minimalist sloganeering type approach mm-hmm. and that isn't how Bambara approach things at all it's far more lyrical far more poetic far more storylines far more crazy that characters true, actually. you know yeah. and and uh, certainly from the kind of the Tom Waitsy mm. Nick Cavey kind of world isn't yeah. it for sure yeah, yeah yeah and and I am not saying one is better than the other I'm just saying this particular way of doing it captures my imagination more than the other does. Hence, they're my favourite. I I think that's a really good point. I think actually that is that plays into America didn't really do post punk initially. No, I don't. Think. No, I think I I think you're right. Yeah, and, and I think that's why this is. You know, when you think back to that first era of the kind of Joy Division bands and everything that came in the aftermath of it there weren't many that came from america really and um and so this is an interesting kind of amalgam between i guess more like no wave and americana and post-punk and yeah i think it, it hits all of those spots really well there's a song on it called birds is that the song that reminds me of the beach and ballroom by idols mm. so when they take it down a little bit more like and that was the highlight of that last idols album which is a you know crawler yeah. i think is a fucking excellent, excellent record. record really really great yeah really good and that kind of reminded me of that so i think you know they've got their own it's again it's another band from this scene who i know we're very kind of you know positive usually about this 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 whole scene this whole scene we have been for a fair few years now but I think 
it's because so many of those bands do seem to have a very strong sense of their own identity and Bambara are another band who very clearly have something that's just a little bit different I think when you put the best of those bands together when you look at I mean particularly I like trains on Compromat I, I know you say that you know that's not a sort of typical album of theirs but I like trains on Compromat Idols Fontaine's DC this you know they're, they're all really different you know, even though they kind of broadly fall under the same thing, they all sound really different. I suppose you could chuck in if you were gonna chuck in Black Country New Roads. I'm not even sure that they count at this point. Um, or that album seems to remove them from that territory, I would say. But yeah, um, e- even Yard Act, who I don't like, I don't like Yard Act at all, really. Mm. Um, but I do think they have a sense of their own identity. So, yeah, I. Y- they they do i think like for me they're much more i think bambara feel much more like just bambara i look at yard when i look at yard it's funny because i was thinking of yard act and i was like well he's got that voice which you know we were a bit like eh, about mm. i do think they sit somewhere between squid and sleaford mods which is their own thing but mm it's still kind of almost not their own thing do you know what i mean yeah i actually i've been like just as an aside i have been back to that yard act album a few times because it's been getting such success and rave reviews and blah 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 and all that and it has grown on me a little bit okay i really was like i was i was utterly disinterested with it in when we listened to it and now i think it's i think it's got a few decent singles i think it's got a few decent poppy hooks on it that i actually quite like um but i don't think it's yeah i wouldn't put them in the same category as the best of them and i think when you listen to this ep you see something far more vast and expansive and interesting and personal and like i mean you know actually to be fair to yard act it is obviously all very personal and it's all obviously very real but well, I say real. It feels kind of cartoony. Bambara don't really feel cartoony. Bambara feel kind of genuinely threatening. There's an air of kind of reality. There's an air of kind of gritty reality about everything that happens on this EP, which I think somebody like Yard Act lack. Uh, there is. Um, I, I would add to that that there's a sort of <clears throat> Western Gothic aesthetic that I think Bambara add to it and I don't know how based in reality that is but I do agree it still feels it still feels more it still feels more real to me though it still feels I more agree. threatening yeah. than Yard Act are a bit like well, hey we're down the uh, we yeah. have a pint of Fosters and yeah, the man said Whoa. I agree you yeah. know so in that respect I think they you know. anyway I don't know if that was the point you were making but yes there is there's something fantastical about Bambara but yet it feels real i think there's something fantastical about it and yeah it feels down to earth it's like magic yeah. realism there's that um subgenre mm. in fiction like magic realism yeah that's what it is it's that magic realism mm. thing mm. yeah it's really good this this ep i mean if you like the last album i would say is it as good as the last? It's not really that last album is it, for me is stronger overall but this is a stopgap 22 minute ep which kind of ticks it hits a lot of the same beats that the album would hit that you, you know that you enjoyed previously so yeah it's really good um, I, I, th- I think at its uh strongest i do think it matches stray 
um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's as good as Stray overall. Stray's longer and it's got more to it. But um, but yeah, the the best songs, the best moments on this record absolutely match the best moments of Stray, I think. Yeah, I agree. So there you go. Bambara, Love on My Mind is out now, as is another. I mean, is this an EP? Is it an album? I don't know what this is. It's only two tracks, but it's... I think fairly, it's an album. It's 40 minutes. It's fairly long. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty long, isn't it? Mm. Um, Time Wave Zero by Blood Incantation. Now, Blood Incantation um, are a band who I don't believe we covered when their last album, which was called The History of the Human uh, something. I can't remember what it was called now. The the History of the Human uh, um, Race or something like that. I can't remember. It was a long old title it had. But it was a death metal album, right? had a very good death metal album hidden history of the human race oh that took me a little while but i got there in the end Mm. yes Mm. now we didn't actually review that record when it came out in i want to say 2019 so i'm going to um it is 2019 i'm I'm almost i'm a 99.99999 percent certain that it's 2019 so desperate for you to be wrong Uh, well so desperate for you to be wrong Check it. Come check on. it now. Oh, fuck. It was 2019. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. So I thought it was then. Um, we didn't cover it um, purely because I think we just left it a bit late. Do you know what I mean? I think, you know, when I, when I finally got around to hearing it, um, it kind of came out and everyone banged on about it for ages. And yeah. when they, people first bang on about it, you go, oh, all right, okay. Yeah. And then when people keep banging on about it, you're like, well, maybe I should listen to this. And then I listened to it and then I was like, well, it's a month since it came out now. And, you know, we can't kind of go, oh, we missed this thing a month ago. We I should think, definitely cover it. So we, we just missed it. Basically. I think truthfully, the reason we missed it is because it came out in November and September to end of November is always a crazy crazy period for us i do recall listening to it just prior to it coming coming out but i think i only got round to it like three days before it came out which was kind of too late to do a you know pre-release review and then man yeah mm. christmas time it's always busy so yeah but you know it's really good it is i good, mean it's though. a really yeah, good that, death metal album a yeah. very 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 strong death metal album i would say it didn't particularly do anything that i felt was new or exciting with the genre in the same way as i mean as soon as somebody does do that they're not really death metal anymore are they like ergo venom prison people are now going they're not a death metal band anymore why it's like well they are well (laughs) just not completely not not to not to review that record but but very quickly just to say some one of the things that impressed me about it is i thought they managed to incorporate almost stoner like um elements Oh, it. I really love the, the guitar. I was about to say the guitar tone on mm. it is fucking amazing. Mm. Got that whole kind of sci-fi aesthetic in there as well, which again, it's not completely unique to death metal. No, but I like it. It works. But I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think they managed to put those stoner elements in without losing the death metal identity. Um, mm. and, and I agree with you. Often when you do put other genres in, it suddenly just doesn't become death metal. But I think they did retain it being a death metal thing. Um, whilst having those stoner things in there but i mean maybe stoner is um the accurate bridge to this record because this is not a death metal album at all 
Not in the slightest. Mm. Not one millisecond of death. Listen to this fucking elitist here, Renfrey Desmond. <laughs> it's not as soon as they change a little bit, they're not death. Suddenly, they're not death metal anymore. <laughs> oh, you I would fucking love, elitist prick. I would love to hear the argument for someone saying that this album, uh, what's it called? Time Wave Zero. <laughs> Time Wave Zero is a death metal album i'd love to hear that that rhetoric <laughs> it's it's a it's a pop album isn't it this? It's a pop. <laughs> it is isn't it because as we all know if if you're not death metal there's only two genres <laughs> true death metal and mainstream pop that are the only two, they're the only two genres every single thing that isn't death metal pink floyd uh <laughs> missy elliott um, Same thing. This blood canta- blood incantation, yeah. Miles Davis, they're all just mainstream sellout pop music in the in the eyes and ears of death metal fans. <laughs> Shall we get our, around to saying what it actually is? This record, because I yes, don't think we've done that yet. <laughs> no, it's a it's an it's an ambient record. It's an ambient electronic album. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, a, a very ambient. Uh, electronica focused record which again has a that sci-fi theme running throughout it it feels like it could be the soundtrack to a 1970s sci-fi film but a sci-fi more on the who i was gonna say a sci-fi film more on the ponderous side so more silent running or solaris than star wars you know he's lost me Hmm? he's lost me What do you mean? <laughs> when you're like, <laughs> I know Do- Doctor Who, I know about. Oh, right. Oh, right. You but, don't know uh, Silent Running as Lars. I don't know. They're ponderous, thinky sci-fi films, basically. It feels okay. like it was soundtrack. It's it's not it's not soundtracking Flash Gordon. That's not the type of sci-fi we're talking about. We're talking <laughs> about far more ponderous. You know, Blade Runner wouldn't be a bad shout. I didn't put Blade Runner down because it came out in the 80s, but, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's... It's really, it's very pleasant to listen to this. I think there's some really deep, bassy, uh, synthesized sounds that pretty much drone on throughout this record, which provide a really lovely bass and, you know, not to get sexy on your ass, but very nice vibrations, um, which very nice vibrations. Uh, David Bowie there. Uh, <laughs> That is a horrible thing to have to have said in my direction, I have to say. And I didn't like that at all. Um, but but continue with your very professional review, <laughs> Do continue. That's, it sounds nice. Does it, doesn't it feel nice? That, don't you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say... Shall I get the positives I, out of the way before you tear it apart? <laughs> I'm not going to tear no, it apart. I just don't think it's I, like I, I, I. I'm really. It's really annoying because I really want to like this. Yeah. Because death metal is obviously a very close-minded genre and a genre where there is so little risk taken. And this is and undoubtedly this, a risk. And this is a massive risk. And I think they should be applauded for going. Now, nah, fuck you. We're going to do this. Yeah. I think that's really great. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think this is a really boring boring record it, it's certainly very slow moving i would say it's glacial in fact for much of its 40 minute runtime and i think people would be able to tune in and out of this more than they would be able to when listening to say other for arnold's or stars of the lid 
But, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Anyone can write a wibbly ambient record, which effectively is what this is. It's really not difficult to put that together, but only a select few can record one that constantly remains engaging whilst keeping you relaxed and in a almost almost meditative type of state you know i think to be able to do both of those things at the same time which are arguably um you know juxtapositions of one another is quite tricky it's like it's like horror comedy you know trying to make trying to scare you and make you laugh at the same time is a very very tricky thing to do and it's why a lot of horror comedies fall down and uh, you know apart from dracula dead and loving it with leslie <laughs> nelson that's good isn't it <laughs> I've not watched that for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, that, that is a tough thing to achieve. And I, I, I don't dislike this record at all. I just don't think it's a, a great example of that ambient electronic thing. I think it feels like the sort of thing that a band have gone, that'll be a surprising thing for people to do. We'll do that. We quite like some of that stuff. I bet if we fuck around with a synthesizer for a bit and make it really kind of long and drawn out and mellow, it'll be really... There'll be people who hate this, obviously. Mm. And then there'll be people who who will tell you how this is brilliant because it's such a brave thing to do and blah, 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 blah. And I think the sort of the truth sort of lies somewhere in the middle that, you know, this really shows. I mean, I you are much more au fait and interested in this very minimal sounding uh, ambient music than I am. Yeah. Although Oliver Arnold's, I think, is great. And I can tell because of the way that an Oliver Arnold's record starts by you going, what am I even listening to? Like, what's going on here? And by the end, it's put you in a completely different mood and mindset. Yeah. And it does that in really subtle, subliminal ways. This doesn't do that. This no. doesn't... This this is a very odd halfway house in that... I think the great thing about Oliver Arnold's is you can put it on in the background while you're doing something else. Or you can put it on and just sort of have it on there. And you don't really need to listen. You can listen quite passively to it. But yeah, it can kind of change how the atmosphere around you is right yeah. you can kind of change your mood you can change your atmosphere and i think that is one of the great skills of that type of music this i'm always aware it's on which i think is a problem i'm always aware that it's just going meow, meow, meow. That, that yeah i'm always aware that they're there so it's not really it's not giving me the subliminal thing so mm. you have to keep my actual attention mm. and it doesn't, it doesn't do that yeah, because there's not really a lot going on. I so I think it. what this really proves is ambient music is actually very, very hard to make. Exactly. And do well. That's exactly my point. It, it really is. It's, it is. It's anyone can do it, but it's very hard to do it well. It's uh, very, very hard indeed. So, yeah, I mean, you know. To make it clear, I don't dislike this album and I don't dislike listening to it. It's perfectly pleasant to listen to, but if I were to talk about, you know, hallmarks of the genre or like the best of the genre, it wouldn't come close, really. It wouldn't even be a consideration. But, you know, I enjoy it. It's a pleasant listen and, you know, be really interesting to see what Blood Incantation then go on to do next. Like, if you if you were able to mix this in with the death metal stuff 
that could potentially mm. be a really interesting record. I don't know exactly how that would work in my mind, but because I can't quite figure it out in my mind, that's what excites me about it. If someone can figure that puzzle out, that would be cool. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll choose to do something else entirely. Maybe they'll they'll do a funk well, I, record. That'd be interesting. Well, what, it would. <laughs> I mean, you know, what it does sort of say is that they they at least have the ambition to do something different in this genre yeah. and f- you know and i think that's that's admirable absolutely absolutely so you know fair play to them i just think obviously like this is a bit of a swing and a miss for me this is a bit like that bring me the horizon ep that went on for fucking ages and ages and ages Ooh, and ages it's and not that, that bad i don't know it's absolutely not as obnoxious as that at no. all no no it's not as obnoxious. but 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 it's it's for me it's it's as interesting it's as musically interesting. It's just like that. Bring Me the Horizon EP was genuinely quite obnoxious. It was it was incredibly badly done. It was it it obviously had it 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 sounded like something. At least this doesn't sound like it. The members of Blood Incantation go, oh, this shit's easy. Anyone can do ambient music. Whereas mm-hmm. Bring Me the Horizon, it was like, you know, dropping a fucking you know dropping a a, a parrot on a fucking synthesizer and then letting it walk around on it for for, for an hour <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much i mean I, I i i've already said i like this album and that bring me the horizon ep that you're talking about i fucking hate so so for me i'm like there's a huge disparity between the two yeah. although well, i understand what you're saying musically yeah actually. i just meant it's a bit of a it's like yeah. you try to do something new bit of a swing and a miss but fair play you try to do something new yeah. i think I did. Always, I do still kind of go to bring. You know, I do kind of think. Oh well, fair play to bring me the horizon for at least trying to do something new. But it was the beginning on a, of them. On that occasion. It, it was the beginning of them getting super, super creative, and it was the beginning of them releasing stuff when you genuinely didn't have a fucking clue what the next Spring Me the Horizon release was going to be or sound like. And I'll give them credit. I'm I'm not a massive Bring Me fan, but that that makes them exciting. That means that every time they release something now, it's exciting because you have no idea what it's going to sound like. So fair play to even, them. Even if Ed Sheeran's on it. <laughs> yeah, well, true, mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, there you go. Time Wave Zero by Blood Incantation. I would say, you know, a for effort but it's not essential would be my review of that um let's move on to all the weird shit that's been happening this week i mean first of all i hope your house hasn't blown away and i hope you've got electricity and stuff because (laughs) we did have storm eunice uh last week and it actually ripped a massive hole in the o2 the biggest indoor arena is it the biggest indoor arena in the country the o2 uh no i think uh, manchester's 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 ever so slightly bigger but you know it's i think it i believe it is the most popular arena in europe uh right okay i mean it's it's one of the biggest arenas in europe that is absolutely 100 percent a fact so yeah so you may well have seen the pictures of i mean it was fucking windy last friday to be fair and insane um, it was insane the weather the bins flying around there were people flying around it was insane Mm. winds got up to about 60 miles an hour or 70 i heard 90 oh fuck me yeah it was pretty mad yeah yeah it was mad mad. my mate's mum lost it uh, lost all her power for like a week for a week fucking week I mean, you live in the middle of nowhere, oh. to be fair to her. Oh. 
or the, or the, the energy company. Um, anyway, yes, there are pictures of the O2's roof. Um, it was the Millennium Dome back in the day, wasn't it? So it's all kind of tarpaulin. And he said linen. Then it's not linen. Um, yeah, what is it? Made man of? from Del Monte. Um, is it like? I don't. Is it like a tent kind of? Uh, but but when I say a tent, I mean like a festival tent. Is it like that kind of? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be something like that. Now, apparently, I read somewhere that that particular um, material that the O2 Arena was, or the the fucking. Millennium Dome. Millennium Dome, as it was originally called, what it was originally only meant to be that for six months, on the opening, and then they were going to change, it, and they never changed it. So in that respect, you know, they got twenty-two years out of something that was only supposed to be six months. Considering Sounds a bit like uh, pairs of pants that I imagine that you've got, <laughs> Renfrey. <laughs> Considering what a clusterfuck um, the building of the Millennium Dome was, if you can recall that yeah. time, I'm sure you can. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all if it was true. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Mm. So I suppose you're saying it's amazing that they've lasted twenty odd years, really. 20, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, did, when did it open? It wasn't on time at all, was it? Um, I thought it was. Well, it was in the year two thousand. I went in the year two thousand, definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you remember they had the uh, they had a new a new Blackadder? Um, uh, oh yeah. Yes. Oh, very good. Um, the venue first opened to the public on January 1st, 2000, but its doors mm, were closed on December 31st, 2000. Fair enough. I'm wrong. I apologise. Mm. But, you know, it's actually it's done a lot better than a lot of people imagined it, it would have done. Actually, and yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing, it was only supposed to be open for a year and then they're going to mm. bin it off and it ended up being this thing. So, good. Um, certainly better than the London Arena in Docklands, which was fucking dreadful. Do you I know, I, I actually never... Um, never went. There were multiple shows that I was tempted to go to. Guns N' Roses, um, The Lost Weekend, uh, yeah. you know, Deftones. Well, you that. But yeah, yeah um, but I never actually went. But I, but I haven't heard a single person ever say a single positive thing about the Docklands Arena. I think it's the worst. I think it's the worst venue I've ever been to, Docklands Arena. How does it compare to Ali Pali? Oh, it's far worse than Ali Pali really? I would go, I'd wow. much rather go to Ali Pali than go to the Docklands Arena the Docklands Arena was ter- absolutely terrible absolutely fucking terrible and at that point as in the middle of nowhere as Ali Pali is now at least Ali Pali's pretty from the outside Docklands mm. Arena was in a fucking in a car park do you mm. know what I mean mm. some sort of industrial estate mm. It was horrible. It was awful. Wasn't it, was it on awful. the Isle of Sound was... Or am I going mad? Yeah, it would have been, it would have been somewhere. Yeah, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was before um, the kind of the Jubilee line in London. We're getting a bit London centric here, but before the Jubilee line was put in and you could get to kind of that part of mm. sort of southeast London easily. So much you have to more use easily. the DLR, I'm assuming. And to use the fucking DLR, yeah. mate. It was absolutely hellish oh, to get is, there and to get London back. Centric. It was. <laughs> It was, yeah, but yeah. but it was in the middle of nowhere. It was just like horrible, just mm. horrible. The venue itself, the sound was, it was a cavernous, soulless shithole, like most arenas tend to be, to be fair. But very bad. The staffing and the, the everything about it, everything about it was just, mm. it was one door to get in as well. What? One fucking door to get in. 
Oh, that's insane. I'm guessing it was yeah. like 12,000 capacity or something, or mm. 10,000. Oh, yeah, about that. Wow. Good. Mm. Yeah, it's pathetic. Anyway, I don't want to talk about the Dotland Serene. It's a shithole. Um, so the roof blew off, and basically, I was meant to go and see Dave at the O2 a couple of days ago, and it got cancelled. Um, but it's back. They've they've sorted it out. Fair play to them. They've done it. They've done it quite quickly, to be fair. So um, really impressed they, with how quickly they've turned it around. That's, yeah. That's some, so yeah. if you're if you're listening to this podcast on the day it comes out, UB40 are playing there tonight. That's been rescheduled to today. Wow. Uh, on the second and third of March, simply Reds rescheduled dates will take place. Thank oh, God. Thank um, God. <laughs> And um, thank fuck. Uh, the Lumineers. I mean, I cannot believe the Lumineers are playing oh, the O2. And Davido. I don't even know who that is. Davido. Um, but Dave's back there on the 28th and the 1st of March. And that means my tickets are. I've got a ticket for this coming Tuesday. If you're listening to this podcast, that comes out. So I am very much looking forward to seeing Dave. There'll be a review of that on the show next week, unless the fucking whole O2 blows away again. I mean, no, my fucking. So do you know? So the the Fuji's cancelled their show that I was going to at the O2. Oh, completely. They're not rescheduling. Completely. No, and I knew they wouldn't because I mean, let's be honest. I was quite surprised they got back together in the first place. Yeah. And then they were like, "We're going to do this show for this day," and then it got cancelled because of COVID. And oh, not cancelled, but like rescheduled. Yeah. And then the rescheduled date was around February, and I think there was still like Omicron stuff going on. So they were like, "Oh, let's can't. Oh, we're just cancelling it." And it's like you really hate each other that much. You can't even do like one <sighs> the one show in London that you were going to do together. So that got cancelled, and then Dave got fucking postponed. And I was just like, "I'm just not allowed to go to the O2 ever again, am I?" But I am going. That's what. That's what it is. Terrible. Happen- yeah. that's what it is yeah we're all They're conspiring sure. against you to try and make sure that you mm. don't ever attend the o2 ever again that's right yeah it's all but, about i mean you, <laughs> whoever would have thought it's such a weird like it's too windy to have a an arena indoor arena concert that's windy that's that's windy yeah that that's is windy that's windy it's a, sh- it's a shame that we don't have uh of proper titles for our silly titles for our shows anymore because <laughs> that's windy would have been quite a good one <laughs> it was really fucking windy it was it was quite ridiculous yeah we've kind of already gone over that but yeah yeah um, uh we were going to talk more about this but i think we should definitely mention it just to mention it um so tall <laughs> uh upset a lot of people because they were selling signed copies of the vinyl of 2019's fear inoculum album for $810, which is a UK equivalent of £595, at their recent shows in the US. Uh, and An and ultra deluxe signed edition LP, it was. Just of the album, which, you know, is a good album. Isn't it? It's a Very great album. album. I love great that album. record. Mm, it's really good. Not sure I'd pay $810 or £595 for it, I have to be honest. But here's the thing, right? And I, I said this on Twitter and I'll say it again now because a lot of people have got their nose bent out of shape saying how disgusting it is. What a disgusting thing. And the thing is, is that it's, you know, it is like you do go, well, that's mad. But if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. And that's just, I think I was brought up with not a lot of money in my house so 
I was often told we can't afford that. And I would be like, okay, I can't afford it. Mm. And I know you might want it on vinyl. I want it on vinyl. I'm not paying £810 for it, but that is the price that has been set. So I'm not going to pay £810 for it. So I can't afford it. I'm not going to get it. The end. Um, I mean... I, I wonder, are are people missing something slightly in this story? Because that is for a signed copy, which may, leads me to believe, I mean, this this isn't proof, but it leads me to believe that an unsigned unsigned copies are available for purchase as well. I don't know if that's true or not yet. I haven't managed to see at all on this run yet, although I'm hopefully seeing them in Norway in April, provided that roof doesn't blow off. Um, but, uh, yeah, um I don't know. I mean, it, 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 is there an unsigned edition available? I'm also curious to know what the packaging is like. Is it the sort of in-screen kind of CD version that we got when the album initially came out? It's like, like two years ago now. Yeah, so <clears throat> apparently it is a um, uh, autographed five-disc industry best, 100 80 gram vinyl audio tracks on one side and etched art on the reverse of each side of the disc so there's a, it's a big old sort of fold out artsy package which probably costs a lot of money i've got to say though i mean you could buy well in the uk two and a half of the metallica black album vinyl box set mm. for the price of one tool album that came out you know, two and a half years ago on vinyl. Uh, so it doesn't. It's a shocker. Yeah. So it doesn't really. Shocker. It doesn't really feel like great value for money. I'm no, gonna say. Not. I'm no. gonna say that. No. I'm not going to buy that. I probably wouldn't buy that unless I was like fucking. You know, unless I was like fucking Elon Musk or something, mm. and I just have. You know, I just use it to wipe my ass. <laughs> I'm not going to buy it. I'm probably not going to buy it. But then merchandise from bands, they, bands do this all the time. Like, if you've paid, and this is what I said on, on Twitter, if you've ever bought like a Funko Pop vinyl or a pair of a fucking spatula with Eddie from Iron Maiden's face on it or a, a Godsmack or We Came As Roman CD, you have bought a worthless piece of tack <laughs> that's got nothing to do with music, haven't you? So... I, like just because this one i mean at least this is actually the album mm. i suppose it's a lot of money but i mean the shit that i made and metallica and slayer and ghost and ramstein and all of these bands fucking pedal at you hmm. you're a mug if you buy it. you're just a fucking mug if you buy it, aren't you surely i would think you if you if you buy iron maiden socks you're a fucking you're just as much of a mug you're just a mug with less money it's not the first like vinyl ever particularly signed vinyl i'm gonna underline that to cost that you know to cost that amount of money uh, that a band has been charging like like this isn't totally unique i mean i mean mean, it is a ridiculous a silly amount of money and i never would can even consider it to be totally honest um but you know it being signed makes it a collector's item and collector's items are never value for money because that's not really the point or the purpose of collector items. The other thing I was going to say that we haven't really mentioned yet, I mean, 
I don't think as many people will agree with me on this particular point. But I don't actually want tall albums on vinyl, really. Um, particularly mm. Fear and Oculum. And the reason I say that is because I want to put a tall record on and get lost in it. I don't want to have to get up every 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes if I'm lucky to have to change the side of the vinyl. I don't want to have to like, I don't really want to do that when I'm listening to Tool. So either CD or very high quality MP3 or FLAC is is the way forward for me with Tool when I'm doing that. And I, you know, I appreciate that that's not what it's about for a lot of people and that's fine. Uh, I'm not making any judgments on that, but you know, it doesn't actually, vinyl doesn't strike me as the ideal format to listen to Tool on at all for that reason and that reason alone, to be honest. I'm sure it sounds lovely. I can imagine Tool sounding very warm and very, very nice on vinyl. I mean, I imagine, you must have at least one Tool record on vinyl, I'm guessing. I've got, uh, yeah, I've got, um, I bought that crap version of Lateralis that was not it doesn't sound very good oh that's and a shame I've got, and i've got undertow yeah i mean you know i get what you're saying i mean i'm, I'm not don't even know if that's that relevant i mean people what people are getting like, yeah i mean i know what you mean like do you want tool on vinyl i mean even whether you do or whether you don't it's a lot of fucking you know it is a lot of money and they are a band who obviously spend a lot of time thinking about the packaging but still uh, you know it's it's an insane amount of money no, to be charging for yeah. whatever whatever thing you want to be listening to your tour records on. It's an absolutely oh, yeah. insane amount of money. But they'll probably sell them. They, prob- <laughs> they probably will. <laughs> they probably they will. They probably will. There's an awful lot. Like As soon as you've got, as soon as we're talking about an arena band, that means there's going to be a shitload of fans of that band who have a highly disposable income. Yeah, so I mean, look, they if, will if, sell. if I if I was Alan Sugar, I'd buy I'd buy it. I'd I'd go. Alan I want Sugar that. I'm going to buy it. Tool. Yeah, huge tool <laughs> fan. They, they're the never fired. Of, if I yeah, if I had the amount of money that Alan Sugar has, I would I would buy this. I mean, it'd be fucking nothing. To, do you know what I mean? If I had the amount of money Alan Sugar has, then I'd buy it. Yeah, I probably wouldn't yeah. listen to it, but I'd buy it. Well, you wouldn't need to. No, I don't. You know, you just put it on Spotify no, and hold the vi- look at the pictures <laughs> if you want, if you yeah. love Tool that much. But that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, I don't know, like they've decided that it costs that much. I, I, I think this whole thing that I saw people going, oh, yeah, they're absolutely, this is disgusting and they're ripping people off. And it's like, well, you're only getting ripped off if you don't think it's worth anything. I remember when I, so I used to rent a house, I used to rent a flat in London and my mate lived with his parents until he was 34 to get a mortgage in Andover, which is the town away, uh, 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 other side from me. And I remember coming to my house and he was like, how much is your rent? And I told him, he's like, oh my God, you're getting ripped off. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting ripped off because I get to live in London and you, you live with your parents in a little village in Hampshire. So I, I didn't see that as getting ripped off. I was like, I feel like what I'm paying for, you can go, well, that money just going straight into the pocket of somebody else and blah, 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 blah. But it was making the quality of my life better. And if you're somebody who just likes tool, and you've got a fucking six-figure salary, you're probably gonna have, you're probably gonna want this, yeah. and it will make and you, to you that is, you know, worth the money that it's worth. And you get, you know, like I'm not gonna buy it. I can't mm. fucking afford to buy it. No. I'm pretty sure you can't afford to buy it's it either. Can't. Well, unless we get like an influx of patrons, no, Which I can't. 
could happen could you never um, know yeah um mm. no i i mean i yeah i it's an insane amount of money to charge but i'm sure they will sell out of them and i'm sure they'll do very well off the back of it and i mean i think people are getting particularly upset because this is the first time fear inoculum has been available on vinyl and people have been waiting for the vinyl release of fear inoculum for a long time that album came out that was 2019 right 2019 yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been you know we're in 2022 they've been waiting and waiting and waiting and then the first time it's available it's available at this price um i suspect if you recall the cd version the initial cd version was that 80 pound one with the screen and blah 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 And, and they did release that version but they released a slimmed down cheaper version later i mean from what i recall even that version was like 25 quid, quid or something. 35 yeah. fucking hell which for a single cd album is still too much um but it is significantly cheaper than 80 80 quid yeah i mean look it's too much there's no you know we're not yeah. sitting again it's too much but hey do you know what as far as i'm concerned a a, a fucking three pounds on a papa emeritus pop vinyl is a stupid amount of money those pop vinyls cost much more than three pounds well if you got one in a charity shop for three pounds you're still getting fucked in the ass as far as i'm concerned <laughs> probably so, with the so, pop vinyl. so so you like you tutting your finger like you probably bought just as much fucking tut if you put all the fucking useless worthless tut you've bought together I'm sure it comes to more than 800 quid. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Is that how you want to leave this? Pretty much, yeah. Cool. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, unless you unless you just listen to Fugazi and Minor Threat you know, or the Dark Throne and you're like, they don't do merch. Like, you're like, I mean, I might uh, tell everyone, oh, well, actually, you don't have to tell how much you spent on that fucking big old Metallica thing. But Metallica, you know, how much fucking crap the Metallica flog people? Loads of stuff. You bought your big Metallica blanket. It's not even a real blanket. It's a hoodie. Oh, right. I, I, well, I, I got it for a reasonable price because... Um, I'm sure you did. Uh, for you, it's a reasonable price. Yeah. Met, Met Club, uh, who I'm signed up with, um, when it's your birthday, they send you a voucher every uh, every year on your birthday, which lasts like three weeks or something like that. So you get a free thing? You don't get a free thing, but I got 15% right. off of this. Oh, happy birthday, you Renfrew. Happy <laughs> birthday. Happy birthday. What oh, did you get for birthday? I, I got I got the opportunity to line Lars Ulrich's pockets even more. I'm not saying it's not a cynical marketing opportunity. Yeah, no, no. It is. But I it, mean, it makes sense. But it but, works. Yeah. And, and, and I looked on the website. I wasn't 100% sure I was going to get something, but I saw this hoodie, which I fucking love, by the way. Um, and was like, oh yeah, I'll have that. I think, I think, it co- I think the city cost me like twenty three pounds. I think, including shipping. I mean, I was, I was perfectly happy with that. I have to say. Okay, good. Well, you see, exactly, exactly <laughs> that. See, Renfrew's happy with that. I'm sure you're happy with your fucking <laughs> fake W, you fake cunt. W, your fake WWE belt that you have in the <laughs> background behind you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you buy a load of fucking tit. I mean, I've got these posters. People probably go, "That's quite a lot of money for you know a one-off signed poster of a gig or whatever." But I like them, so fuck off. Um, I thought we were going to move on. Yeah, we are. Well, I tried to move on, and then <laughs> I don't know what happened. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, that happened with Tool. Um, in slightly sadder news, um, 
listen you know we're not we're going to talk about um we're going to talk about mark lanigan in a minute and we're going to talk about mark lanigan quite a lot but i do want to talk about jamal edwards as well i want to say um jamal edwards passed away on the 20th of february at the age of 31 now i have to say i saw this news come up and i didn't actually know who jamal edwards was but i wanted to pay tribute to him on the show here because i didn't know who he was although when i started reading about who he was i thought two things one wow he's been incredibly instrumental in the rise of popular british music over the last decade seems like he's been incredibly influential in fact in starting the you know the careers of people like jamie and and dave i know he's worked with i think ed sheeran's just played a, a big kind of tribute to him stormzy you know a, a stormzy Aura, yeah crept and conan yeah there's a lot of big artists Boxy that he Malone. has yeah that he's kind of filmed um that he's worked on the production side of things with and um and also you know beyond so there was that uh um but also when i was reading up more about him in conjunction with music you know the kind of his ambassadorial role in the prince's trust was you know obviously fucking that that's great um the jamal edwards delve project that aims at refurbishing and reopening youth centers across the united kingdom you know that kind of philanthropic mentoring work that he's done with you know i think he worked a lot with calm the mental health charity um he seems like somebody who although i was only i was aware of his work i wasn't aware of him as an individual um i thought it was really worth us pointing out um you know how sad it was that he passed away this week and and obviously you know as i said we're about to talk about mark lanigan for um f for a lot longer and mark lanigan somebody who's been in my life for a long time and who i am very deeply kind of personally connected with as is Renfri hence why we're kind of dedicating more time to that because it's something which has really personally I think quite we're going to tell you exactly how personally it's affected both of us in a second but you know that doesn't mean that um, we're downplaying what a fantastic life and, the, and achievements Jamal Edwards made during his life and I just thought it was somebody who we really should have flagged up and you know I thought it was having read more and more about him and i thought it was very very sad really really sad to hear that at the age of 31 you know he's passed away after a sudden illness like what a mm. what a horrible thing to happen i think sometimes it's good to give sort of people behind the scenes that platform and i mean i don't know if it's fair to say jamal was was behind the scenes because he was you know um, I think he was on camera for some things and stuff like that. So he had a presence of of sorts. And SBTV, the um, the online media platform that he uh, founded, you know, had over a million subscribers um, by 2019. So I think people knew there were some people who knew who he was. But it's really astonishing. He was 31 when he passed and. I mean, he's achieved more. He achieved more in his life than I've achieved in mine, and I've had another five, six years on him. <laughs> you know, um, <coughs> it's quite astonishing going through his um, 
Wikipedia and going through the tributes that have been flooding in to see just how wide-reaching his work was um not just within the music industry but you know he released uh he wrote an ebook um mm-hmm. about self-belief the vision how to be a success on your own terms he did stuff in fashion he mentioned his philanthropic work uh he's a director you know i mean he did so much in really not an awful lot of time at all and was obviously very detri- uh, was very um, instrumental instrumental thank you uh in in helping the early career of some huge artists huge huge artists Stormzy Ed Sheeran Dave you know Rita Ora um so yeah and those you know artists who have gone on to be you know I would say at this point the sort of definitive sound of the last decade of British music um yeah man really like uh, uh just a really really sad uh thing and like you say to wh- wh- when I saw he was 31 I thought about what I was doing when I was 31 right and I had you know I hadn't even uh, the age of th- I went halfway through the age of 31 I went on the Metal Hammer podcast for the first time so I had done kind of fuck all like i'd done nothing to do with music sort of professionally at all Mm. at that point in my life and you know to think that he'd done all of that you know i'd say i probably (laughs) the most stuff that i've done in my life has been in the last 10 years and he'd done a thousand times more a million times more than i have done now (laughs) <laughs> before i'd even managed to do kind of anything of note yeah. um and it's getting a bit yeah, depressing it, to be honest <laughs> the way you're well, talking about him I, right. I don't i mean it's de- it's depressing and it's sad because you know it is depressing that yeah. he is obviously would have had so much more to to give and it just you know everything you've read about him and you see the people that have come out and all the things they've said about him um it just feels like a really kind of beautifully inspirational um, hard-working person who was incredibly talented and just wanted to give back to his community and where he come from and, and all those things and I think like that is obviously really really sad I'm not sad for myself like you know I've done all right I, I think that you know you can't compare yourself with people who are sure. yeah. really special and I think he probably would have been one of those people who were really special so you know like we can't sit here and pretend that I was a uh, you know massively aware of everything that he did but reading up on and listening to you know i was listening to six music yesterday and they had a lot of tributes to him and they played a lot of the music that he was kind of instrumental in creating and i was like oh yeah i know this and i know that and i was like oh my god he did this and oh my mm. god he did. and it was it was kind of a bit of a wake-up call and maybe go mm. i think we're gonna have to mention this on the show because he feels like a, an important character mm. yeah yeah absolutely so um r.i.p to him and um r.i.p to to mark lanigan as well this um happened on the 22nd of february 2002 Uh, at the age of 57 mark lanigan passed away at his home in killarney in ireland um 
we've spoken about Mark Lanigan on this podcast a lot. We really have. We mm. have. I think we first reviewed the With Animals album that he did with Duke Garwood. Probably like, I reckon that's four or five episodes into us being a podcast. We reviewed that album and we were really, really, really enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. Because I think like, as we said at the time, you know, don't underplay Duke Garwood's um, role in how good that record is. But ultimately anything that features Mark Lanigan is going to be something that Renfrey and I are going to be incredibly interested in. Um, it's an ex- excellent record, actually. Um, excellent brilliant, record. Brilliant yeah. album. Yeah. We did Somebody's Knocking and Straight Songs of Sorrow mm. as well that we've reviewed in this podcast. We have done a Riot Ears review on Bubblegum, which I believe is up for free. Now, if you want to scroll back and listen it to our thoughts on that. And I believe... Is, yes. Sweet Oblivion, Oblivion by by Screaming Trees is also another album that we did mm. on Rioters Review. So you which know, is also looking for free, I believe. Which is also available for free. So you're looking at five albums that we have covered on the show, as well as his appearance on the Arms Ultra Pop record, mm. his appearance on the Last Manic Street Preachers record, mm. his appearance on cool. the Last Cult of Luna EP, not the one that we did last week, but the week before, mm. uh, the year, but last year. Mm. Um, so we have covered Mark Lanigan a lot. Queens and of that's Stone just Age. in the last... Queens of the Stone Age for the classic albums. Queens of the Stone Age for the classic Ra- albums Rated as R. well. Not, not, not the first record, but Rated R. Yeah, on, on Rated R as well. So we've covered Mark Lanigan a lot. And, um, and that's just been in, you know, since 2018. That's just been in the last three and a half years mm. that we've, we've done that. Mm. In terms of going back and... The reason, well, in terms of the reason why we covered Mark Lanigan so much, um, there's not many people in music ever in my life, I don't think, that I have felt as completely besottedly intrigued by as I do Mark Lanigan. Mark Lanigan is, was absolutely fascinating a human being it's easy to just even if you weren't interested in him as an individual and his life and the things that he was saying to just hear his voice you knew who he was and you knew that there was something some something wrestling around inside of him um I thought that from the first time I I ever heard Dust. So mm. Dust will be a classic album by Screaming Trees will be a classic album at some point, maybe quite soon. I can't bring myself to listen to it at the moment. Mm. I haven't actually. I mean, something you said to me was <clears throat> yesterday was that, you know, I went back and I've listened to Mark Lanigan stuff. Like I haven't been able to do that yet. Mm. Um I, I had to have a couple of whiskeys. <laughs> this is the only way I could. So, but yeah. Yeah, I've, I can't, just the thought of putting dust on makes me feel a bit funny at the moment. Yeah. So I've not, not actually gone and done that. I think we will try and do dust. I think maybe we should try and do dust and classic album sort of fairly soon because I, I don't know. I, I know, know. I know. Yeah. What well, we'll see. Um, 
we, we haven't discussed that yet but i i'm i mean i i know we've already had a go at it but i i'd, I'd really like to make that a double with um sweet oblivion because i think yeah. we can do that easily you know sweet oblivion is my favorite dust is your favorite so yeah yeah um it's I've, I, I think i've been gone on record before as saying i think dust is the best um studio album to come out of the seattle scene in mm -hmm. the 90s mm -hmm. i think i think i probably would i think i probably do think that and when you think of super unknown and verses and in utero and dirt and you know the various that trilogy of melvin's albums that came out on major labels and you know everything that came from that scene mm. screaming trees they're not my favorite band but mm. i do really feel like dust might be my favorite album and i think you know mark lanigan um it was just the thing he to me was always the thing that turned good music into completely transcendent phenomenal music mm -hmm. his voice and um i can't remember a time where i hadn't heard it but I feel like every time I listen to it, it's like hearing it for the first time because it never stops being affecting. Mm -hmm. It never stops. You never go, oh yeah, it just sounds like Mark Lanigan. Like I'm, I never ever felt like that. No matter what record he was doing, no matter what style he was doing. I mean, I think when we spoke about um, somebody's knocking at the end of 2019 and we were like, isn't this weird to hear Mark Lanigan doing a kind of post-punk thing and doing mm -hmm. that kind of almost sort of 80s, inflected stuff which is not what he's known for at all and you would think that that kind of wouldn't work but because his voice is so analog and mm. you know sort of born from this like deep oaky real resonance you know you think of mark lanigan and you think of living in a wood and whiskey soaked and you think of all that stuff and yet his voice was able to translate into music by bands like cult of luna and ultra pop and that kind of 80s inflected stuff because and whatever like wherever you positioned it wherever you heard his voice it just fucking stopped you in your tracks every time i listened to his voice i was just like holy shit listen to this guy mm -hmm. It's not just that he can sing. To be able to convey so much, so much pain and confusion and so much life lived in just the timber of your voice is, it's not even one in a million, it's one in 10 billion. Do you know what I mean? It's It's, nobody can do what he does like nobody can do what he does and i think i said recently you know there's um looking back at kind of eddie vedder and chris cornell and lane staley and mark lanigan those well, we're like really blessed at a time where really really great singers were coming through and i don't 
genuinely don't know who my f- true favourite of all of those singers are. I don't really want to have to pick because mm. I think they've all got their own thing going on and blah, blah, blah you know. Mm. They've all got their own style, they've all got their own thing. They're all equally as fucking inspiring as the next one. But there's just something about Mark Lanigan which just can't ever get... You, the power of his voice just never, ever diminished over years and years and years. He was still making incredible music. My mate texted me the other day and he was like, he was literally getting better as he got older. He was still making records that were not just passable for somebody of his age, but fucking essential, mm. absolutely essential music. Um, I feel like I've spoken quite a lot already well i mean and i feel like i could go on and on and on and on just to pick up on that thread um the last album that he released straight songs of sorrow was i mean we gave it an absolutely fantastic review it's arguably one of the best albums of his entire solo career and um I think even the one before that that we reviewed Somebody's Knocking I I didn't enjoy that album as much personally but what I really respected about it and what I thought was really fantastic about it is like you just said he hadn't done that before and he was doing something which you know on paper didn't necessarily sound like it might work the gravelly lived in nature of his vocals with that more sort of 80s aesthetic um but it did i mean it certainly worked i might not have enjoyed it as much as some of his other albums but the album worked unquestionably i think the sheer the sheer number of tributes and the sheer breadth of the places where those tributes have come from has been so broad and if you think you named a whole bunch of collaborations he did when you consider he was admired and loved from and collaborated with everyone from Isabel Campbell to Cult of Luna how fucking broad is that like and that's because everyone wanted to work for him Uh, everyone wanted to work with him sorry everyone Everyone was inspired by Mark Lanigan. And I think it was, I mean, I think you've already summed it up. But I think it was that lived-in quality of his. It wasn't, you know, Lanigan wasn't a fantastic technical singer, particularly. Um, You know, he could sing, but it wasn't anything extraordinary about his voice in a Dave LaRoth or... Bruce Dickinson sort of way there was nothing showy about it but in terms of conveying what he was feeling and making you feel making you feel that through his voice and his voice alone it's difficult to think of many vocalists who could even match him Mm. yeah I, I, I mean I, I honestly, I think that's the thing. It's like when someone, Mark Lanigan is a, is such an interesting character. He was such an interesting character because you've got this hard, you know, like brought up in true, harsh, hard family circumstances. 
you know mm. getting into alcoholism um at the age of tw- you know because thinking you know he said he looks back at from the age of 12 he was an alcoholic mm. getting into into heroin in that scene in seattle around that time mm. having this tumultuously difficult family life that he had um and then you know kind of fighting all of those demons in in a way that you know he's an uncompromising difficult looking um character mark lanigan i never got to interview him i never got to speak to him and i'm kind of glad i didn't really in a lot of ways because i think i probably would have made a tit out of myself because i don't think mark lanigan would want to hear me go i fucking love everything you've done you're fucking brilliant and blah blah like you know i don't think he seems like the sort of person no yeah nobody you know he doesn't want that and he's not the sort of person who you know i think there are people from that seattle scene and i think a lot of them would probably have that similar attitude i think most of them probably go oh thanks Mm. you know cheers or whatever whereas mark lanigan you feel like there's threat from mark lanigan you read his book you see the things he's done the way sort of carries himself like he's this big hulking hard-nosed angry difficult conflicted guy with a voice that cracks with with hurt and pain and frustration and all these things and, and you just think like the fucking ultimate in like a a flawed conflicted genius like born with this thing you just mentioned you know he's not got a technically incredible voice or whatever but he's born or or however he whatever it was that made that voice come out of him yeah it it feels like it's a gift from somewhere else do you know what i mean it It feels like it's something that it's it's not it was it's not affected or learned in any way it's just the thing that came out of him it's his way of ex- expressing all of that shit and those those people they are they are really fucking rare they are really rare because some people have these lovely beautiful voices and they seem like nice people and then you get you know people who work really hard on a dramatic stage persona and you can kind of get away with just being this super dramatic like flamboyant character and i don't think mark lanigan was either of those things you know he was just a i mean it's i'm almost amazed that we have we're doing this in 2022 and that you know i mean obviously didn't have a podcast in 2002 or whatever but it's almost amazing that we we wouldn't have been doing this 20 years ago you know i shouldn't have been shocked i was shocked when i found out i shouldn't really have been shocked because he just seemed to me like somebody who was he teetered on the brink of just snapping like all the time you could hear it and you could hear the kind of the fucking pain and the frustration in his voice all the time but also the beauty and the gravitas and you know he's not and he's not a massive superstar mark lanigan like he's not a massive superstar but then you look at the people dave grohl eddie vedder moby iggy pop john cale warren ellis the manic street preachers peter hook 
Sleaford mods, like an, a bizarrely eclectic, huge group of incredibly well-respected musicians who have all been like, this was the guy. Do you know what I mean? Like this guy was the fucking real deal. And I feel like he was, one of the things that, I haven't listened back to it, but one of the things that I remember saying, I think when we did the, um, when we did the um, the review of With Animals, is I think I remember saying around the time, Mark Lanigan is setting himself up kind of unobstructed by anyone else to be this generation's Nick Cave or Tom Waits. You know, he's setting himself up to be that guy who does that thing for the next generation on um for those people that never got to see those people in their prime and it's weird to think about somebody who died when they're 57 as talking about them in their prime but those albums were that fucking good mm. at this point they were that fucking good that you could go yeah like he's just got so much more to fucking give and um it's just fucking it's awful it's it's, it's awful i was re i feel very upset by it all to be perfectly honest I, i'm it since i think you said chris cornell was the last time and i would have to yeah. agree uh it's um i mean as we're recording this i don't think we've even known 48 hours have we like it's um and, and i definitely half. definitely definitely do feel like um we're still processing it in a way i said to you before we started recording i mean it feels like it <sighs> this does sound insane but it does feel like a distant family relative has passed or something like that it's that kind of like i'm really quite gutted about it and you know you can go back to a number of episodes where we've talked about mark lanigan and we i think at one point you might have suggested that maybe collectively mark lanigan might be our favorite vocalist just because we both fucking love him and i think he did. i can't remember but mm. it wouldn't i it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> like you know if if you had and i think um i was i, I was shocked I, it hadn't occurred to me that uh, you know I, I, we should say that we, we do not know the cause of death it hasn't been reported his family have respectfully asked that you know media don't ask questions which obviously i would hope that all media outlets are um uh, abiding by I, I would have thought so because like you said he wasn't like a celebrity you know he wasn't like a household name i don't think um but he was you know he was popular enough to sell out sort of 2000 cap arenas in this country so in, in london kind of the the epitome of cult call in, yeah i guess so type of music at this point i think and interestingly Lanigan is one of the kind of i think the kind of the epitome when i think of like a cult artist yeah operating yeah. At, the, at this point in his career like you know would he ever have had the massive mainstream success that somebody like nick cave had in the mid early to mid 90s or, or has he even been having over the last few years I, like maybe not no but if you know yeah. you know mm yeah true absolutely and it would be tempting again for us to go like I, I thought you know when we came into this like maybe we should sort of 
recommend great songs and great this and great that for, by Mike Lanigan, but, but there's it, just so much. There really. Do you is. I mean, there's just there's just there's just so 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 much stuff that I would suggest people go and listen to. You know, we haven't mentioned Whiskey for the Holy Ghost. We haven't mentioned Scraps at Midnight. We briefly mentioned Bubblegum. You know, Phantom Radio is fucking great. I'd like um, to throw in the Gutter Twins album, the collaboration Gu- album. Yeah, I was going to say the, incredible. the Greg Dolly album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, you know, fucking brilliant. I think, I know we did a Greg Dolly album, didn't we? Didn't do that one. Yeah. And um, both of the and Duke then, Garwood albums are fantastic. Yeah. Both the Duke Garwood albums are brilliant. And that's before you even get into, I mean, I'd say in their own little way, that, that run of Buzz Factory to Dust by Screaming Trees, that four album run really to me shows a band. I mean, again, we'll get into Dust and I'll talk about the what I see as the growth from, you know, from 1992 Sweet Oblivion to 1996 in Dust, I think. Whatever was going on in that four-year period, and you know, it was quite a lot of stuff <laughs> was going on in that four-year yeah, period yeah. Uh, in Mark Lanigan's life and career. Um, but to come back with a record like Dust, I think is, you know, um, is is quite something. And that, so like, um, that record, weirdly, I feel like that's even taken on even more of a significance for me over the last few years, and. I, I was sort of when I was sort of wrestling as to why that was, and again, I don't want to spunk it because we will do Dust as a classic album if we want to go into that. But when I was a kid, and you know, I think I've said this a whole bunch of times, getting into those bands from Seattle, that kind of alternative rock boom of the early '90s, was you know, it's a really unbelievably special, magical time to be growing up i really do feel incredibly incredibly lucky to have been there to see a lot of that not really at first hand but to have been able to be aware of it from an arm's length i guess Mm. and now when i think back and i'm like well there's no lane staley there's no kurt cobain there's no scott wayland we've lost a lot of people you know there's been a lot of people there's no Chris Cornell Cornell. Um, there's a lot of people from that scene who are gone and my kind of transition I guess from listening to alternative rock and more indie music and grunge into sort of metal and heavier music really happened in 1996 and Dust was like the last record from that scene in that era that came out and that i bought i mean i think we spoke about down on the upside on our classic album how mm-hmm. it doesn't deserve to be considered a classic album because it's hugely underrated but the world had kind of got a bit bored of them mm-hmm. at that point of, of soundgarden and yet dust in this period when no one cared about quote-unquote grunge dust was kerrang's album of the year yeah. and they went out on tour with oasis you know yeah. and they got maybe bigger in this country than they'd ever been before screaming trees yeah i think so on dust yeah i mean you know um uh, not sweet anesthesia sweet oblivion was the breakthrough and yeah and dust was them sort of beginning to capitalize on that obviously unfortunately um it all went pear-shaped before they could do that properly 
But I mean, I think the other thing that we haven't touched on too much, you mentioned it very, very briefly, but, you know, Lanigan in the last couple of, just in the last couple of years, released two fantastic memoirs. And actually, you know, since um, since he passed away, I've, I've actually put down the book I was reading and picked up Sing Backwards and Weep, which was the... Um, the first memoir he released which was more about sort of his life in screaming trees and his solo work and it's a memoir of those sorts of things but i started reading it last night and i've only read the first two chapters but already i'm completely and utterly startled by his amazing voice as a writer like his writer's voice is uns is as identifiable as his singing voice and I knew that these memoirs would be fantastic based just based on his poetic lyrical writing as it was but they really haven't disappointed I know I'm only two chapters in but it really hasn't disappointed at all and last December he released a memoir called Devil in a Coma which was chronicling his I think year with long covid you know and i've heard from a few people who've read that that's absolutely fa- fantastic that book uh matt hughes friend of the show um he was a guest on our beastie boys classic album special and it's actually his birthday as we record this so happy birthday matt um he was, was telling me about that book and how incredible it is he's just finished reading it and um yeah just just to put in that author side of him as well because he only wrote two books and they only both came out quite recently but by all accounts they were both fucking fantastic so yeah yeah can confirm um I mean, i've not read the, the the last one that he did but yeah he's got a yeah just you know um he's a really special person mark lanigan a really amazing incredible special person and i think um yeah i don't i don't know how you can ever really even imagine that somebody will like i i don't foresee anybody else coming along that's going to be able to do that you know there are times when you go well that's that was a one-off that's Mm. unique that's that's happened here and we were lucky to see it and we won't see it again that's kind of how i feel about mark lanigan i think he's genuinely the a, a broken mold person you know they broke the mold when they made him he's fucking staggeringly talented um incredibly honest beautifully conf- like like i say uh, a conundrum of perfect conflicting emotions complex and powerful and yet poignant and sensitive all at the same time um yeah man he was uh he was a special guy Mm. a really special guy and he leaves behind him a a fucking endless treasure trove of stupendous music absolutely stupendous music and if you've never given yourself the chance to sit down if you've ever if you've if you've never done that if you've never gone in on any of these bands or any of these albums before um 
now is the time to do it mm-hmm. absolutely Absolute. now is the time yeah yeah uh so it's a bit of a different show this week because you know that's really all we have to say about that i think um I think, so, yeah, I think sorry, we're both was, still processing it. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a it's been a difficult one. I mean, it's just been like I say, I don't feel like I should be surprised, but I am uh, because you just you just expect that person who's been there in your mind at least for fucking was well, now coming up twenty six years really since I started listening to Screaming Trees and became really really aware of Mark Lanigan and then he's just suddenly that's that gone isn't it I mean the fact that we covered so many of his albums on the podcast it's not even like I mean I don't want to mention anyone who's died previously we've gone well you know they did all their stuff in the sixties or the seventies or whatever and and then they didn't do much for the last few years but what a great legacy to have. Mm. I still feel like there's I think the kind of sad thing about this is the really sad thing is that I still I'm thinking to myself oh so we're not going to get a new brilliant Mark Lanigan album in the next few months then that first hit me last night actually yeah about 24 hours after I first heard um and actually I was thinking about how great the last record was and really foolishly I mean I don't know if this is the same for you as well Steve but um Mark Lanigan came to London very, very frequently. And as a result, there was definitely uh, a feeling of, um, oh, I could go and see him now, but, you know, I'll, I'll see him next time around. It's fine. He comes here all the time. And consequently, in terms of his solo stuff, I've never seen him live. I saw him with Queens of the Stone Age, um, I think a couple of times. So I have seen him do his thing. I have seen him, you know, live on stage, but I haven't seen him do Mark Lanigan material. And I remember when we did the review for the last record thinking, well, this is the one, this is the one, isn't it? Because this it, it is the best record he'd released for years. And yeah, I mean, that's that's quite a sort of selfish thing, I suppose, just looking at it like that. But, but I, I genuinely thought that that was going to, happen and like now that it's not and that that took me 24 hours to kind of (laughs) think about that and realize that but yeah um that hit me quite hard last night Mm. yeah it's been um it's been rough man it's been rough yeah so anyway that's the end of the show um i can't (laughs) sugarcoat it any better than that i'm afraid that is the end of the show Uh, if you um like I say, you just need to go and listen to Mark Lanigan. If you haven't and you're sitting there going, why are you guys getting so kind of upset by this? Uh, there are plenty of reasons on Spotify or your streaming service of note that will give you all of the answers as to why Mark Lanigan uh, is um, is going to be so badly missed. But anyway, next week, hopefully, normal service will resume. We'll be doing something with a bit more upbeat fun around it, I hope. That'd be nice. So... Uh, I know, Renfrew, you're going to review Rolo Tomasi live, I believe. Yes, I'm seeing Rolo Tomasi this evening, which I'm excited about. That will be a nice uh, distraction. Yes. So Yeah, yeah uh, unless the fucking Wizard of Oz happens, I'll be going to see Dave, so I'll review that as well. And um, I'm sure there'll be some records for us to talk about in the interim. So keep an eye out for that. 
thanks very much for listening to the show we appreciate that and um we'll we'll see you very soon very very nice of you to be here to listen to us just be a bit sad we appreciate it so thanks see you later